We are in Jude chapter 6, 7, and 8. Uh, we've got three examples in verses 5, 6, and 7, the three examples of Israel in the wilderness, the, uh, the angels, and then finally Sodom and Gomorrah. And then today, it's all going to tie into these are three examples of what the uh, false teachers, the apostates, the heretics that Judas is dealing with in the churches and he's going to sum that up in verse 8 and identify three things. He's going to call them dreamers. So we'll take a look at those things there. I'll, I'll start in uh, Jude uh, and begin reading, you know, the first eight or ten verses there. Uh, it says, uh, Jude, verse 1, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, kept by Jesus Christ, Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Again, that, that address is uh, that, that's past, present, future, called, loved, and kept by Jesus Christ. And what you're going to need at this age and this generation, what they're facing, you're going to need. These are not like churchy terms, like, you know, you know love, peace, joy. These are, you're going to need mercy, you're going to need peace in your soul, and you're going to need love in abundance to live and endure what you are enduring because they're going through some tough times. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And once again, that's really the theme of the book that you, you know we've got this great salvation but your issue is not that you understand this salvation and that's what we want to grow in understanding of this salvation you you need to contend for it because you're about to lose it not that you're going to lose your salvation but you're going to lose the message and the the movement's going to stop the, the 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 progress of salvation again hypothetically god's not going to let it stop but if you lose this if a church a body of believers loses the faith loses the message loses the doctrine they just become a social group. They continue to meet, but, you know, it's just potato salad and parades or something. They're not doing anything. So contend for the faith, and important in this book, I mean, there you got, there's people trying to undermine it. You've got to fight for it. That's what it means. It means to fight. So it's a word we get the word athletic from it. Uh, that was once for all entrusted to the saints, meaning it's, it's, you've got it. You're not looking for it. You're not, we have the truth. It's been entrusted. Now, you individually may be growing in it. You may be searching to understand the truth, but it's not out there somewhere. It's, it's here. We, it's been once for all entrusted to the, we have the revelation. You don't need to go out on a cloud or have a dream to find the revelation. You need to study the revel, have it explained. You need to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Why? Because certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. There's people among you. Now, what they're doing, this kind of behavior, it was written about for ages. I mean, it's written down in the annuals of legal code it's like when you behave this way this is the fate and these people have come in among you and their fate was written about long ago you go this way you end this way so again you can interpret that a variety of ways but the ideal is they're they're going outside the lines and once you get outside these lines the fate your fate is sealed uh they've secretly slipped in among you they are godless men who change the grace of our god into a license for immorality they deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. So they're the grace that saved them, they don't understand it's grace so you can come to God and grow and, and walk, walk further into the light. They see it as, oh, 
it doesn't matter what we do. We can do whatever we want to, and we can go back into darkness and enjoy it. It's like, no, that's not the grace. The grace of God is to deliver you from darkness and get you in the light so you can continue to grow in the light, not, oh, you're, you're, you're not responsible for your sin in the darkness, so you just stay in there and have a good time. That, that's, they turn it into a, in the end, that's a corrupt understanding, of course. Uh, and they deny Jesus Christ are only sovereign and Lord. And again, Jesus Christ, is, is described as sovereign and Lord, is he is uh, the lawgiver and the one who, in, who owns it all. He is the, 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 the legal setting. He establishes the code, but he also owns everything. So that, those words, sovereign and Lord, is owner and lawgiver. He establishes right and wrong, and he owns everything. So you really, you can't get away from him. There's no way of escaping the Lord Jesus Christ, who is both uh, Master and, uh, and Lord. Though, verse 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered... Now, here's the three examples. Although you know all this, and again, we said this before, this is typical church material. Although you know all this, we're going to teach it again because it's like we're growing in this. It's going to be Israel in the wilderness, and we've spent some time talking about that. It's going to be the angels who sinned and left their place of dominion or their place of authority. And then it's going to be Sodom. I'll just write Sodom, but it's Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities that we're talking about there. And so here we go through this. And these three are all examples of they're all going to do something that these heretics are doing, and they're all going to have a fate. Israel is going to be destroyed. And this is the wilderness generation. They, they were saved, but because they didn't believe and follow, they were destroyed. The angels were given places of authority, responsibility. They left that to go after something strange, something unique, their own plan. They left God's reality to create their own reality, and they are kept in chain. The word is kept. They did not keep their place of authority, so they are now kept by God, just the same word, kept by God, uh, waiting for judgment. They're kept in, in, in chains and they're kept in gloomy dungeons or chains. And so instead of being in their place of authority where they've got this incredible, we can't even understand the, the, the light, the, the authority, the understanding that they were living in, uh, freedom they had, they're now confined and in darkness and they're waiting for judgment. They're not judged yet. They're waiting for judgment. And Sodom, who's going to uh, uh, go after things that are unnatural. God has established reality, but they're going to go after, again, something unique, something of their own plan, and they're going to be consumed with fire. And that is served as an example. This is an example of the fate of everyone. Now, that's like a visual representation. I do have right here, this is from Sodom. I mean, this is a historical example. For many years, Sodom, they're trying to figure out where Sodom was down by the Dead Sea, and they got all the salt you know, deposits, and there's been civilization that's been covered up with salt, and there's been fires, and, they, and they're trying to figure out where it's at. And that's you know, down south, you know, the southeast side of the Dead Sea. That's a fine place. In fact, I had maps on Generation Word website for years that had that located. But going, I don't have time to explain it now, but going straight across from... If you go north of Jerusalem and you stand, for example, at Bethel, for example, and you look straight across the Jordan River, it goes down across into the Jordan, and then there's a plain there, like a circle. Kakar is what it's called, a circle. And then there's a major civilization it's, that has, was destroyed. 
It's called Tal Tel or T A L L Tel or T E L El Hamam, uh, and and they began excavating. It's a huge city that was never excavated, but uh, Dr. Graves and uh, 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 oh, I'm forgetting another name. I got their books downstairs. Uh, they they began excavating there oh several years ago, and they said this doesn't make any sense because in the Bible Abraham could look across and see. And, and the Lord is talking to him north of Jerusalem. And then it's way down on the other side. Of, so it's like, that doesn't make sense archaeologically and, and biblically. And so he goes, well, this has to be the place. And, of course, it was people at first were like, oh, you know, you're a heretic. And now he's been excavating down further and further and further down. And this was from around 1000 B.C. This would be around the time of, of David that this was, was later that they went further down. And when they excavate down... They ended up getting, this was brought to me by an archaeologist that was on the site. He, he came to, used to come to Bible study. Uh, he's now got a doctor's degree and is pastoring somewhere. But uh, he brought that to me. He also brought a, a sling stone. He didn't give it to me, but showed it to me. I wanted to keep it. But a sling stone from the site. And it had a little flat side on it so it would sit on the wall so it didn't roll off. You could set all your sling stones there. It was about this big and they would fight from the wall. Well, when they got down to the layer of Sodom, 2000 B.C., they found just a, a burst of explosion. Everything was buried with salt water and, and consumed with fire. And it appears something burst in the air and blew water, even from the Dead Sea, up and covered up with salt, but also consumed it with fire. And then we remember we talked about this many years ago or several years ago. And it's like, well, did they find any bodies or anything? It's like, and at that time, I remember you asking that. It's like, not that I know. And then it wasn't more than a month or six weeks later, I got an email from the, they said, they found it, and in the rooms, they found, like in this room, everything would be, if the explosion came from this side, was crushed against this wall. Crushed bones, crushed pottery, it was all against this wall, like an air burst. Boom, then they found bodies and bones and, and uh, you know, pottery and things all on this side. So, when we talk about this being an example, it's not a... A, a, a Disney story. It's not a f- an, an ancient legend. Uh, it's this. You can go and excavate and see what happened to this place right here at Sodom. And they're they're excavating it now. And, and now it's now it's been in academic journals and things. So it's getting more and more accepted. Lean Rittmeyer, once again, a guy I admire a lot, has even gone over and excavated with them and and has done some drawing of what the gate looked like. And so because they can see the foundations and they're drawing these things. They're just finding more and more stuff. They just keep excavating. Okay. Okay, so those are the three examples right there. Uh, The first, uh, verse 5, though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe. And when they did not believe, they also did not follow Jesus. They didn't believe, so they wouldn't follow. Who was setting delivering? That's this one right here. He destroyed them. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, uh, these he's kept in darkness, bound in everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. And we'll re- refer to that again today. So pick this up here. Uh, in a similar way, similar to this situation, when here it's, it, where they left their place, these people are also going to leave their proper place. Here the angels go after human flesh. And if you remember here, uh, the, the men go after angel flesh. So in a similar way, they were corrupt going after the wrong thing. These men, 
were caught up in sexual immorality the whole city was and for example so i mean that's again that's not the summary this is not a message about sexual sin although sexual sin is a manifestation of this this is this is about not believing not following jesus this is about not keeping your place of assignment and changing your reality to do what you want to do which would include sinning sexually and this is people leaving and rebelling against god in a variety of ways in fact if you go through the list throughout all of the bibles there's a variety they're basically a fourth generation culture they were doing a variety of things but sexual sins was was one of the things that gets recorded but again sexual sins come up and the 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 heretics the the false teachers here are going to be involved with sexual immorality in this book but it's the book is not about not just sexual it's it's sexual immorality is a, a sample of someone that's in rebellion towards god's reality so israel the angels and sodom it says uh and, and angels who did not keep their place looking for my verse here in verse seven in similar way sodom and gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire now again they got consumed by fire as an example this is what it's like and then they went off into eternity to await eternal fire but there's your figure you can go excavate it people could talk about it they could they could see it for centuries they could see the result of this uh it was recorded in the scripture uh and then we can excavate it today and see this example in fact i mean it's it's in a sense well known throughout the world some of course don't accept it as historical they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Now, verse 8, which is going to be where we end up today. In the very same way, just like this. In the very same way, these dreamers, these are the heretics that are among the re- readers of the book of Jude. These dreamers pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and slander celestial beings. And so, they say the israel did this the angel did this sodom did this in the same way these men these dreamers are doing and then he lists three things and we'll break that down and so what he's saying is he's identifying what these people these they're doing these things they're doing the exact same thing these guys are doing what's the result destruction kept for judgment and a fiery destruction in time it's like when you when you touch the burner you get burnt. We live in reality. You do certain things. Sometimes you're just like you're, you, you're sinning. You think you're rolling a dice. I don't know. We'll see if we get caught. You know, it's like, it's like, it's reality. It's like jumping off a building. Well, maybe this time I can fly. I don't know. Let's see what happens. It's like, like we've said before, you can jump off a 20-story building and for 19 floors, you're flying. Yay. And all of a sudden, boom, you hit the, tw- it's because it's reality. And this is, you do what Israel did, you get destroyed. You do what the angels did. You're going to be kept by God for judgment. You do what Sodom did. There's going to be a fire example. Now, these dreamers, you see why this whole, we'll talk about the word dreamers. These dreamers that are among you, they're dreaming because it's like, wake up. It's like, we don't think it's going to happen to us. We're flying. No, you're not, you dreamer. It's like reality's coming. You're going to hit this very same thing. And then it lists three sins that they've done. And the idea here is they are within the church teaching these ideas, this freedom, these ideas. And instead of Jude writing to the church, his congregations that are reading this letter and saying, let's talk about and growing in the knowledge of this, this salvation. It's like, wait a minute, 
You've got people chipping away at it. Now we've got to come back here. Stop. You're chopping down the tree of salvation. You've got to leave the message the way it is. You start changing this, you're going to destroy yours. He's not talking to them about losing their salvation. He's talking about them having their tree of the message, the truth cut down, and you're going to be, in a sense, stunted without growth. These people that are doing this, uh, he's given up. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, of course, there's always a chance that they could come back because he ends the letter. I sh- I've mentioned it before several times. Um, I'm looking for the verse right now. I haven't even looked at it for a while. Where he says, for some do this, for some do that. Uh, oh, yeah, verse 22. Be merciful. Now, this, is, this is his advice. Uh, uh, so we can keep this in mind as we look at the people that are, are doing this. Some of them are practicing these things. Some of them are following those. They don't know any better. Some are, you know, they're evaluating, do I want to teach the apostolic doctrine? Do I want to teach these new revelations? Or do I, am I like just being tempted by this whole thing? Well, there's a wide response to this. Some are sold out, probably damned. I mean, they're not coming back. But there's others that are following. There's a whole spectrum of people that are being influenced by this. And so in verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt. If you find them, if you're here, you're, you're doubting, be merciful to them. It's like, you know, help them back. You know, show them some grace and bring them back. Uh, snatch others from the fire. Right here, the fire, snatch others. You're doing this. I, I'm going to show you how to get out of this. And you're about ready to be consumed by Sodom. But here, come over here and change your lifestyle. And you can snatch it because the fire's coming. But we can get you out of target, you know, uh, what do you call it? Zero. Uh, target's ground zero ground zero is sodom and you're standing at ground zero we can snatch you and get you over here change your lifestyle uh snatch others from the fire and save them to others show mercy mixed with fear meaning is that you can be merciful but understand this is your fate i mean you you, uh, yeah we can talk but it's like i'm give you a chance but i'm not gonna under i'm not gonna accept what you're saying because this is your destiny no that's kind of harsh it's like, you can change. And so the, he, there is hope for different people that are hearing this message within the churches of Jude. And save them to others, show mercy mixed with fire, or f- mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the corrupt flesh. So here we go. The notes very quickly. <clears throat> We've already spent some time talking about Israel in the wilderness. We talked last week about, it says right there in the book of Jude that they were following Jesus, and the word is Jesus in the original greek and so he identifies the lord leading them through the wilderness as being jesus the same one born in the manger the same one who walked the earth in galilee and the one who died on the cross and was resurrected seated at the right hand of god that's jesus now we understand that but to boldly use the word jesus and someone said last week was it which you pat or someone told me uh that the reason they would use jesus uh was to identify to all the jewish people there is like a testimony they were, they're all Jews, and they're they used to following the Lord or following Yahweh, following God, but to say Jesus right there and to tie Jesus into every story of the Old Testament, it's like this Jesus who walked among you and died on the cross is the one who was in the temple. He was the one who was in the garden. He was the one who was with them in the wilderness. This Jesus came and became flesh among us. This Jesus that you know was back before Abraham was. He says, I am. 
And uh, so I thought that was good because it's for the Jewish people. I might not have said it. Whoever told me that last week, I thought that, that's a good point. And I think I didn't say it as good. Uh, but that's why they use it. Okay, so now we come to this. And I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this uh, except just to point out, and we've said it several times, the story of the angels. In fact, I'll go read it. I'll read it here real quickly in, in Genesis chapter 6 here in the NIV. Or, yeah, NIV. Uh, and people dance around this, and that's fine. Do what you need to do. Uh, and you can read your commentaries, and you can read your modern scholars, and that's fine. Uh, there's stuff to be learned. We're always, you know, we're excavating Sodom. There's things to be learned. But when we read these verses, you have to leave them in the context of the when, where they were written and leave them and understand them in the way that they were understood by the readers of that time. And you can't be like the Mormons who like, well, the church was corrupt for 2,000 years and the scriptures were co- corrupted by the church for, you know, early on. And now in the 1800s, now finally, Joseph Smith has come and given us the truth. It's like, that's cool that someone came and gave us the truth, but what has happened for, you know, 1850 years? What's been going on? It's like, well, no one knew what was going on. I don't sound like God that just for 1,800 years, he's just like, and we're waiting for Joseph Smith to show up and have some magic plates. That's kind of like, obviously, that doesn't make sense. Uh, now, we can make corrections in our interpretation that everyone that spoke in the past was correct. We can get more insight through archaeology and things. But these verses were understood by Moses and before. They were understood throughout the Old Testament. The New Testament understood them in fact they're quoted several times here in the new testament also throughout writings they're referred to and they're clearly explained on the way they were understood and they are understood throughout the ancient world up through the early church age as being angelic beings that took on human flesh somehow they manifested themselves in human flesh uh probably unable to change back and they lived on the earth. They decided instead of being an angel, they wanted to somehow become flesh, and they took on wives and produced children, which were then not human, but some corrupt race, part human, part angelic. Uh, and God's responses was to flood the whole earth, just kill them all except Noah and his family. And so if you can't, well, that sounds really strange. Well, yeah, uh, Jesus dying on the cross for one man for the sins of everybody in the world for all time sounds a little strange, too. I mean, if you can swallow the pill that Jesus, one man, died on the cross one time and was dead for three days and came back and paid for all the sins of the world, and hallelujah, that's pretty astounding. And then this, you're going to choke on this right here. It's like, well, here it is. Here's the story. Chapter 6, verse 1. When men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, which is always interpreted or translated angels in Psalms and in the book of Job, except here they choke on it. They say sons of God. That's what it is. Ben ben Elohim means sons of God. But when you read in Job and the sons of God came uh, came to Yahweh and Satan came with them, Job translates that, the angels, and Satan came with them. When all the sons of God are rejoicing at creation, the sons of Elohim, Ben Elohim, 
uh, they translate it. Well, at creation, the sons of God, that, that, was, that was clearly the angels. Well, here's the same word, and the sons of God uh, would be, it's a good translation, sons of God, but it's referring to angels. Saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. They, they saw the fleshly world, the world that we, the earth was designed for us to live in. We are designed for, we are not designed to live in heaven. We're designed, this has come from Elkhorn's book, you know. We're designed to live in, the, God designed the earth and designed us to live and partake of the earth. He didn't design the earth and then us, and then when we die, we go live on a cloud somewhere. That's, we're not designed to live like, in, you know, in the atmosphere or in, in the solar system. We're designed to be here. Now, the, the things may adjust or change, but the angels, in a sense, were not designed to live here. But they saw this and thought, whoa, we got the bad end of the deal. We could be down here eating stuff and doing stuff with other people's bodies. Uh, Sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them that they chose. Then the Lord, Yahweh, said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. The Nephilim, means the fallen ones, again, that's a mysterious word, were on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. So somehow these Nephilim are connected, hinged into the sons of God going to human women and having children. Then there's somehow there's the Nephilim. They, either the angels are the Nephilim or the children are the Nephilim or you've got the angels, and you've got the, the daughters of men, and you've got these children produced by the sons of God, and, and then you've got another Nephilim, I mean something uh, that we've got to enter it. And also afterwards, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of Renoan. Now, heroes of old, that 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 puts in your mind the ideal of these are the legends. You've heard the stories, the legends, the Greek mythology or the Egyptian mythology or all the things. It's like, yes, this is what they're talking. These men did those types of things because they were Nephilim. In fact, some translations translate them giants. Now, the real quick, I don't want to spend time on this, but to explain this, people will say, the sons of God in our modern world, our secular world, to try and get through this right here. We don't even believe God created the earth, let alone that there's angels, let alone that they became flesh and did all these things. <clears throat> that these sons of God, one, sons of God refers to the good boys. And they went to the daughters of men. So you've got the, the uh, uh, Seth's uh, children, the good boys. And Cain over here has got this line of children and family that's extended out and a bunch of girls you know that that they they chew tobacco and they got tattoos and and all these kind of things and these good sunday school boys married these naughty girls with their motorcycle bikes and stuff and started wearing leather jackets with them and that produced the nephilim the heroes of old because they all became bikers or something i don't know i mean it's like it's like well, okay it's the good boys marrying the naughty girls okay you can run with that in Sunday school if you want to, but you're gonna, you, can't, you can't turn the page uh, and, and start doing any kind of exegetical work without saying, that's stupid. Because no one thought the good boys married the bad girl. Because God's going to flood the earth. No, okay. Now, you can go with that if you want to, but uh, I'm not following. I mean, I looked at it. 
The other idea, the sons of God, the kings, like the pharaohs or the kings, they would be called gods, you know, and rightly so, because they're like the god of, the, of their kingdom. Uh, they never thought of them as being the creator god, but, you know, they kind of made the rules. Well, they would have sons, and these sons would be like the sons of God, the sons of Pharaoh, the sons of the king, the sons of Nebuchadnezzar. This is before Nebuchadnezzar's time. Uh, but then they would go off and go through and find the, the daughters of men, the common girls. They'd just ride their chariots through the streets and say, uh, get in, you get in. And they'd just pick up the little harem going down, you know, for like the party on Saturday night. And, and then these girls, these, these, this, the common, the middle class women had to go live in the harems for these sons of the Pharaoh. So they had their basically, basically we're talking about harems. We're talking about harems for royalty. Okay, go ahead. I mean, that, it's a lot of, yeah, go for it. That, that's the other. The other is that angels somehow came to the earth. They saw this was a great place to be, and man had a great deal going. That God really gave him a favorable place, and they decided they would join the human race. They would take on flesh. Now you can see, say, well, that's impossible. Now when people start saying, well, the angels can't do that, angels can't do that, okay, stop. You, you haven't even figured out there's aliens or not in the universe, let alone what angels can and cannot do. Angels might be your aliens. I mean, who knows? I mean, who understands these things? We've got the Bible revelation, but there's a lot of things that aren't recorded. And we do see angels coming and eating food with Abraham. We see him coming and doing a variety of things. We see him taking on being called men. Someone like a man appeared. To Daniel, they come, they talk like a man. They, it's like, so it appears that the Bible says he makes his winds flames, his, his, or he makes his angels winds, he makes them the flames of fire. Psalms and Hebrews talk about it. So they can, they can, they're like the ultimate transformers. Nonetheless, then you've got that verse, I know, when we die, we'll be like angels in heaven, being never, neither marrying or being given in marriage. That's true because marriage is of this age. Once we leave this age, this dispensation that we're in here, marriage is not a thing. But it doesn't, say, it doesn't mean that angels can't take on flesh and have some kind of reproductive ability. Uh, it doesn't say that explicitly. So nonetheless, with that being said, I've got this written down for you on the notes. Um, Point one, Jude assumes his readers know most likely, most likely, excuse me, Jude assumes his readers, now most likely Jewish Christians, know who the angels who left the dwelling, who are kept in judgment are. He does not elaborate. Jude just says what he says, and he assumes all that junk I just wasted time telling you, he doesn't even, he doesn't waste his time giving you all these options. It's not this, it's not that. There's only one option. It's like the angels who let you know. Well, what did they know? Did they think they were from a harem? Did they think that they were the good boys who married naughty girls? Or did they think they were angelic beings who took on flesh? So, I mean, uh, point three, Jewish writings and traditions concerning the judgment of the angels and giants are written here. Assyric 60. Now, these are not scripture, but these are Jewish writings that these people were familiar with, just like you're familiar with your commentators and your, your talk show hosts and your constitution and things that are familiar with your culture. They knew this. Uh, I'm quoting Assyric 16. He did not forgive those ancient giants who rebelled against him, conf- confident of their own strength. He detested the arrogance of the people among whom Lot lived, and he did not spare them. He showed no mercy on that nation, which doomed to destruction for its sins, nor on the 600,000 people on the march through the wilderness who gathered together in stubborn rebellion. So 
in Syria, they list three examples of God's judgment. They list the giants, they list Lot and Sodom, and they list the wilderness generation. Do you recognize that on the board? I mean, what Jude is doing right here is the same, boom, boom, boom. This is the go-to list. If you're a coach at halftime, don't be like this. These are the three examples you use. Coaches in Little League, coaches in high school, coaches in college, in the pro. This is the examples of, you know, whatever. Third uh, Maccabees 2, verse 4 through 7. You destroyed those who in the past committed injustice, among whom are even giants who trusted in their, and the giants would be the Nephilim, who trusted in their strength and boldness, whom you destroyed by bringing on them a boundless flood. See, that whole Genesis 6 was wiped out by the flood. The Nephilim were the giants. So these Nephilim were some kind of superhuman, part angel, part being, that is summed up as giants in this translation. Uh, You consumed with fire and sulfur the people of Sodom who acted arrogantly, who were notorious for their vices, and you made them an example to those who should come afterwards. See that? Maccabees, you made... You made Sodom an example. Look what Jude is saying. You made them an example. I mean, Jude is, he's, he's, as a reason he's not giving a lot of explanation, such a short letter. These are bullet points from the great political messages that have been spoken in the past. By inflicting many, uh, many and varied punishments on the audacious Pharaoh who had enslaved your holy people, you made known your sovereignty, thus you made known your great strength. Okay, Jubilees. And he told them of the judgment of the giants and the judgment of the sodomites and how they had been judged on account of their wickedness and had died on account of their fornication, uncleanness, and mutual corruption through fornication. So again, that's the Jubil- another reference. We got this Luke. Uh, I'm not going to read Luke right there. You could. It's on the notes there. Uh, the Damascus document of the Dead Sea Scrolls describes the watchers and the wilderness generation as being stubborn and falling, uh, failing to keep God's command. So it, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls have a document called the Damascus document, mentions the watchers, and the watchers were the angels who were watching. The angels were given certain responsibilities. You can see throughout the scriptures, like you're going to have in Revelation, the angel that has been kept bound up at the river Euphrates until that very day and hour to dry it up. I mean, apparently, that's going to happen in the future. That angel is there today, bound up. At the, that's his assignment. He's at the Euphrates. And he's waiting for one... God's made thousands. It's, like, it's not like he's underbooked or he's understaffed. I mean, he's made as many angels as he wants. And this angel, what's your job? I'm um, waiting for a revelation. What is it? Chapter 17, 8, verse... You know, I don't know what it is. Uh, and it's like, okay, boom. There. That's what I was created for. I mean, that's what he's waiting for. Angels are the keepers of... And that's, that's not of the natural world. They're the keepers of the order. And for the angels who are the keepers of the order to break rank, uh, you understand, it could, it, this thing could spiral into chaos very quickly. And so, don't, you didn't keep your place, I'll keep you chained up until the judgment day. That is, those are the watchers. And in, in Damascus document, talks about the watchers and the wilderness generation. Now finally, Enoch. Again, you can read the whole book of Enoch if you want to. Jude refers to it several times and then eventually quotes from it. You have to, under, you have to, to read the book of Jude, you have to be familiar with the book of Enoch to, to understand the depth of what he's saying. You don't have to accept it as scripture, but you have to understand what the book of Enoch is presenting because he's going to refer to it and quote from it. 
chapter 12 of Enoch. And I, Enoch, was blessing the great Lord and, and the King of eternity. And behold, the watchers called to me, Enoch the scribe. See, now the angels are talking to Enoch, who's worshiping the Lord. Now, this is not scripture. This, this is the book of Enoch that Jude's referring to. But you get, this is what the people understood. The angels, or the watchers, called him Enoch the scribe, and said to me, Enoch, scribe of righteousness, go and inform the watchers of heaven who have left the high heaven and the holy eternal place and have corrupted themselves with women and have done as the sons of men do and have taken wives for themselves and have become completely corrupt on the earth. Go to these, go to these watchers. They will have on earth neither peace nor forgiveness of sin for they will not rejoice for they will not rejoice in their sons the slaughter of their beloved ones their sons the nephilim uh, they will see and over the destruction of their sons they will lament and petition forever so they're kept up in everlasting uh, everlasting chains of darkness and gloomy dungeons knowing the last thing they saw was all these sons the nephilim that they'd produced with the women flooded and buried possibly in the layers of what we call the the earth's you know the geographic geological layers all maybe possibly the floods tsunami after tsunami laying down they were buried and they watched the destruction as eight people floated away on the ark and god started all over again that's what is being said here they will have on earth neither peace nor forgiveness of sin for they will not rejoice in their sons the slaughter of their beloved ones they will see and over the destruction of their sons they will lament and petition forever but they will have neither mercy or peace interesting jude begins his book telling you may you have mercy may you have peace and may you abound in love because these people are not going to have that because of their behavior and of course second peter uh well, let's just read Second Peter chapter 2 very quickly again, and then I've got to get going. Otherwise, you're going to stop coming because I just say the same thing over and over each week. Chapter 2 of Second Peter, and this will come up later again because it's going to be part of our interpretation uh, of what Jude is saying. Verses 10 and 11 are going to be important here. But I'm going to go to Second Peter chapter 2. And... Uh, it is, I, I, I'm thinking, and again, it's either Peter wrote first and then Jude, or Jude wrote first and then Peter, and I'm, because of the dating of this, I'm thinking Jude wrote first, say, 55 AD, and about 10 years later, uh, Peter's referring to it, uh, again, it, it, so which would make it an interpretation or uh, like a commentary on what Jude says, Peter is he got me to get some insight into it. So chapter 2 of Second Peter. But there were also false prophets among the people in the Old Testament, just as there will be false teachers among you. So he's telling, he, this is his last book. He's in prison. He's going to die. And he's saying, be careful. Uh, just like there was false prophets in the Old Testament, there's going to be false teachers among you. They will secretly, see, stealthily, introduce destructive heresies, false teaching even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's exactly what Jude says. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. You're going to be used uh, for their own benefit. With stories they have made up, and that is the word myth or mythos, 
uh, their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Meaning, it's, when you behave this way, the destruction's coming. And their destruction has not been sleeping. Now, here we go. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, now, when did angels sin? It doesn't tell you exactly, but neither does Peter, meaning he assumes whoever reads this knows when the angels sin. Because, wait, Peter, when did the angels sin? They, he, he doesn't feel that's necessary because when he says when the angels sin, oh, yeah, when the angels sin, keep going. But sent them to hell, that is Tartarus, which is not hell, it's not Guiana, it's not the lake of fire, it's another whole different word, Tartarus. It's one of the deepest of the bottomless pits out of Greek mythology. You've got to read Greek mythology about the heroes of old to find out what Tartarus is. And it's, it's not Hades, it's not hell, it's not the lake of fire, it's not Guiana, it's Tartarus, which is the deepest of the bottomless pits. It's possibly a deep pit in the abyss. Remember the demons begged not to go to the abyss? Eventually the abyss is going to be opened and all the demons are going to come out of the abyss during Revelation. It appears that Tartarus is in the abyss, but it's the deepest part of the abyss and covered over. You can't get out. They'll never come out. When the abyss is open, uh, that's a special, like, solitary confinement. It's a, the, the word is Tartarus, and it has a Greek, it means nothing to us. That's why NIV translates it hell. Puts a footnote, says we have no other word. We can't just say Tartarus. People think it's some kind of fish sauce or something. <laughs> but sent them to hell, putting them into glo- gloomy dungeons to be kept for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, see the right again, Sodom and Gomorrah is also an example. If it's Jubilees, if it's Jude or Peter, it's like, why'd that happen to them? That's That's a stinking example. You act like that, that's what's going to happen to you. And then we have to act like, well, it didn't really happen. Uh, okay, 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 I'm looking for somebody. Burning that example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of the lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. And again, that lawlessness was not just homosexuality. It would be a, a rainbow, <laughs> rainbow. It would be a rainbow, a spectrum of a variety of rebellions towards God. If it be family or cultural or sexual or financial or oppressive or whatever, it would, it would be the Hamas generation. Uh, and Saunter, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials, meaning you're living in trialing times, but God knows how to take care of you. He took care of Lot. He took care of Noah. He'll take care of you. You're not connected to this disaster. And to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. Verse 10. Now, this is going to come up important. This is especially true of those who, watch this, who follow corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Now that, that list, that's where we're heading in verse 8. This is especially true, and he, now he describes those people. They uh, follow corrupt desires of the sinful nature or corrupt desires of the sarke, the flesh, and despise authority. Remember the word authority. Bold and arrogant 
these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. That is the word doxa. Well, we'll talk about that. That means slander the glories. And so you've got the corrupt flesh, you've got despising authority, and you've got men that are not afraid to slander celestial beings. And that would, that would mean angels. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord, referring to Michael, which is going to come up in verse 9 here of Jude. Okay, let's go back to the notes right here, please. Now again, that is kind of like a commentary on what's being said here in Jude, but particularly there when it talks about uh, bringing uh, slanderous accusations against celestial beings okay now jude chapter verse 7 just as sodom and gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires serve as an example of undergoing a punishment of eternal fire the key there being sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires see the angels were unnaturally coming to the earth become men Sodom, the men were unnaturally going after things that were not, well, for example, going after other men. That would be an example, but it was just an example of an entire cultural lifestyle. They were not just homosexuals living a nice family life. They were, their whole, everything had been corrupted. And then this is just an example of the homosexuality. Now, just as Sodom and Gomorrah, now at the end of that line, I've got it highlighted at the bottom of page two, they serve as an example by undergoing a, here it is, a punishment of eternal fire. Now, I want to spend some time on this. In the Greek, you can see the very last line, the very last line of the Greek text box right here. It's of fire. That's the word pyros. Makes sense, right? And then aonio, which means eternal. And then dekin, which is dekain, uh, which means the penalty. And then undergoing which is two words, and I've got that here at the bottom of page two. Hupo means under, and echo, which means to hold, to have, to be held under. And those words together, it all comes together, of fire, eternal, the penalty, and then hupo, echo, which produces that word, uh, hypokousia. Turn the page. That word hyper, okay, let me say it, try it again. It's the, it's the combination word of hupo-echo, which in the Greek would be pronounced hypekousia. Again, forgive me. Uh, this word is a legal term often used along with dikin or penalty. So it's the penalty. It's the undergoing the penalty. It's the application of the penalty. Now, this is kind of important. If I can rush through this, this word right here, because Jude, it's just, we just translate it into English, but he's using terminology. It is used by Josephus in this way, as being, I'm on page three, used by Josephus that this is uh, uh, the legal term uh, of the punishment from the penalty. You've been found guilty, and of this crime, this is the penalty. In the papyri, it is used meaning to pay the penalty. Uh, so we got Josephus using it this way. You've got the papyri. In the Greek world, it began to refer to the judicial concept of punishment meted out or handed out as a legal penalty. At first, it was to identify the verdict. So at first, it was, the word is used, it's the verdict that's decided on at the consul. It's a court case, and here's the verdict. There's your word. But then, because this is the verdict, what is the verdict for that crime? 
Well, the verdict is that, that you did that crime, and so this is the punishment. So in other words, you, you don't just have a verdict of a crime. You're guilty of a crime. Thank you for coming today. It's like you're guilty of a crime, and if you're guilty of a crime, what happens next? The penalty. So it became the verdict, and it became the penalty. And they are, then as it says right there, uh, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire in the word undergoing a punishment undergoing this is the verdict this is undergoing the punishment the idea here in point five in the top of page three by using this word in the greek jude sees that at sodom there had been a divine verdict which was then executed god looked at it. well he went down and observed the angels go down and look it's like mm-hmm. yep we got to get out we saw it we've made a verdict and the punishment is coming we got you got to get out of the city because the punishment is coming um and this divine verdict is not arbitrary, but decided according to a legal code. See, a lot of times, like I said before, we, I, I said usually for you, it's like sin. It's like we're rolling dice. It's like, just see what happens. What, what, what's going to be the result? It's like, no, there is a judicial laws. There's, there's a court in heaven. And this, these are sins. And these are the punishment for this. It's not like arbitrary. It's like, God just like, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like, no, he's consistent. And this is the verdict and the punishment. And what the point is going to be, the men in Jude that are the heretics, the false teachers, you're doing the same thing they did at Sodom. And the judgment is coming. And the punishment is going to be, guess what? You've got destruction in the wilderness. You've got being locked up waiting for judgment. And you've got an example of eternal fire. You're heading for eternal damnation. That, that's the point there. This is not Jude saying, I'm not sure what God's going to do. You know, sometimes people get in trouble. And it's like, no, I know what God does. When you do this and you bring people in false teaching to people, you bring it to people and you lead them astray, you're going to be cut off. And that's kind of what is being said. Verse 8, yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. Even though this is the case, there's three examples, and he uses this, this serves as an example of this is this crime. When you get arrested for this crime, this is the punishment every time it's in the books. And so he says, now, yet, even though that's true, yet. In the same way, these people, and he's referring to these heretics, these false teachers, relying on their dreams, even though it's obvious, they rely on their dreams. And we're going to talk about the word dreams. That's the first thing. They're dreamers. And again, we've we'll, we'll, we got to explain that. And then he's going to give you three things right here. I'm going to write them down very quickly. Uh, they defile, defile the flesh. They uh, set aside authority. Again, this is a repeat of everything that was done in the wilderness generation, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the angels. Now these dreamers, they saw that result. You know it's true. Yet they come in with these dreams, and they repeat it. And they're repeating it right in front of you. And he's got this all in one verse, verse 8. They defile the flesh, set aside the authority, and blaspheme, let me see if I can spell this correctly, blaspheme, the, the, it's right here, the glorious ones. And the word is, you can see in the Greek, it's D-O-X-A, and we get the word glory from that, or the word is the glorious ones. 
glorious ones is that. So they defile the flesh, they set aside authority, they blaspheme the glorious ones. Now, they're defile, set aside, and blaspheme, and these are being done to, with the flesh, to authority, and to the glorious ones. And so here we go. Um, Point one, yet in like manner, the heretical dreamers are providing false teaching in the church are just like the Exodus generation who was delivered but did not believe or follow Jesus. So these heretics are just like the Exodus generation. You've been delivered, but you did not believe or follow Jesus after you were so-called delivered, which means you're going to be destroyed just like they were. The angels who left their created position of authority, they, have kept their, they, they themselves were given a responsibility. You have a, a place, a responsibility, but you've left your place, and you're going to be kept in chains waiting for judgment. And the people of Sodom who pursued unnatural desires, these false teachers, are not pursuing the gospel. They're not pursuing the faith that was handed down once for all for the saints. They're not pursuing the natural relations between societies and families and, and men and women. They're pursuing unnatural things we'd call them woke, uh, you're pursuing things, you're, you're awake, they're called dreamers here, we call them woke, uh, and you're pursuing things that aren't natural, uh, you're going to be just like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, end up in fire. The dreamers. Now, first of all, the word dreamers here, uh, it means, in the Greek, it means relying on their dreams. Uh, you got the word right there, even put the pronunciation key there for me to say it in front of you. And opniedzomia, ahi, 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 okay, I'm not going to try again. I could, but I'm running out of time. It, it means to dream. First, if I have a son who's a dreamer, that means he's like me. Uh, when I was a kid, I was dreaming I could play Major League Baseball, or I, I was dreaming that I would be a rock and roll lead guitar player for a band. I was dreaming. It was like those were f- uh, fantastic ideas. They're, uh, they're unreliable. They were... Uh, what do you say, ridiculous. Uh, you're a dreamer. That's not what this means. That's us using the word dreamer. Ah, they're a dreamer. They've got pie-in-the-sky ideas. That's, that's our modern use of the word, or one use of the word dreamer. So don't even, these are dreamers. They've got, you know, these fantastic goals that are ridiculous. and everybody, That's not what this is referring to. It can't be. The word dream, it means, the dreamer, it means, uh, you can see this does not mean, number one, two, or B. It does refer to dreaming while sleeping. The word dreaming means you're having some kind of a dream. Uh, it's a, some kind of a vision. You've got something in your mind, but the idea here is several things. You're asleep. Uh, it's not real. Okay? This is what it's talking about. They're asleep, possibly, it's not like they got a fantastic idea. It's ridiculous. It's that they're asleep. They're seeing something, but it's not real. But also, throughout the Bible, from Joseph in Genesis, remember, to Joseph in Matthew, not the same guy. They both had dreams. All the way through the Bible, you got Daniel, you got people always having, Jeremiah, everybody's having, John's, everybody's having dreams. And that would be a source of revelation. So somewhere when John says these dreamers, he's not talking about they think they can play Major League Baseball and they're not going to be able to. They're asleep. They're seeing something that's not real. Or they're seeing something in a vision and they're bringing some kind of truth 
that you don't have. I've gone and I've had a dream. I've had a vision, and I'm bringing it to you. So Jude's point in describing these people, it's point C, may include any of these. These apostates are asleep to the fact of God's judgment while they mistakenly enjoy their sin and its pleasure. They're asleep. You're enjoying sin and pleasure, but you do not realize you're just putting fuel on the fire. I mean, you're, you're, you're asleep to reality. So that's dreamers. Or it could be, uh, or yeah, I put another point four, on page four, their temporal success and pleasure, the dream, will give way to eternal emptiness and judgment. So right now, ah, everything's fine. You can just see people or you have experienced yourself. You're enjoying this season of pleasure, but it's like it, you're basically in a dream. It's not going to last. Eternal judgment's coming. That's reality. Point two, false teachers have mistaken their delusions and woke ideologies for reality and truth. They've, they've mistaken what they think, what they proclaim. This is what is my truth. You're asleep. You're a dreamer. It's not real. And so they've, they've mistaken uh, their delusions or their woke ideology as reality. You're, you're asleep. You're a dreamer. Or the false apostles are actually having dreams and visions that they interpret as revelation from the unseen spiritual dimension. And uh, so that could be the other where they're actually bringing in, instead of teaching the Bible, or what we'd say the Bible, the, the faith that was once for all and trusted the saints, they're bringing in, I had a vision, I had a dream. Now, again, I guarantee you, if you write a book about a dream that you had and you went to hell or you went to heaven, you're going to sell more books than I've given away. Uh, because people are interested in what did you dream about heaven or hell? What did you see in your dream? That's just the way people are. I've already read the whole Bible. Did you have a dream? Yes, I had a dream. Dreams sell faster than the Bible. And, well, that's not true because the Bible's the fastest, biggest selling book in the world. Okay. Point three, Jude had already told the believers to contend for the faith once for all and trust the saints. Thus, there was no room for this new insight. If it be a revelation, if it be their woke ideology of 55 AD, again, it would be a woke type of ideology from 55 AD. They are asleep. They're not out of touch with reality. Uh, empowered by these false reality, their false reality, these dreaming ones are accused of three things. And I've got those written down right here. They're accused now because they're dreaming uh, they defile the flesh, set aside authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And we're going to pick this up next week. I'll shoot through it very quickly, but we've only got two minutes, and you've been here long enough. Defile the flesh is, uh, the flesh is part of this natural world, and there's boundaries for the flesh. And what they're going to do with this, these boundaries, their boundaries, the flesh is kept in check with certain rules, boundaries, uh, reality, limitations. They will defile the flesh by changing the laws, changing reality, uh, if it even be uh, immorality, bringing immorality. And there's certain, we have in the Bible, in society, uh, in your conscience, there are certain boundaries that are put in place to keep you safe. They defile those boundaries. And so they defile the body, defiling those boundaries. For example, bringing in immorality. Why are, why are there moral laws? Why is there a moral code in the Bible, in your heart, in your society? To keep you from going over there because that's not where you want to go. They go, not a problem. We're going to take everybody over there. They defile the flesh. They break down. And they go where they shouldn't go. We'll talk about that more next week. Set aside authority. Now, this authority, you can see the words right there, that is probably referring to the, the authority is lordship. 
They set aside, they discount, they discredit, they annul the lordship. Jesus Christ is Lord. We're Lord, and we'll do it our own way. So they, they defile, the, they break down the social barriers. They violate the lordship of Jesus Christ and, and abandon him. And this last one, this is why I went to Peter. They blaspheme glorious ones. Uh, and this could be uh, the, the, oh, how, where do I want to begin? Uh, they blaspheme. They're going to speak against the glorious ones. And these glorious ones, it could be uh, civic leaders, because they're the ones that are glorious, the leaders. It could be ecclesiastical or church leaders. They, they blaspheme. But in the context here, and in, especially when you go to verse 9, they start talking about Michael and Satan and angels. So does Peter. Right after this, this phrase in Peter, Second Peter, they start talking about angels. So somehow, besides breaking down moral codes of the flesh, setting aside the authority of the lordship of Jesus Christ, they blaspheme angels. Uh, which probably is indicating there where they, the angels who are, again, we have to build with, they've been put in place to hold the universe, the natural order in place. They're, they're holding things together. I mean, under God's assignment, they were created to hold things together. Well, they blaspheme these. The, what the angels are trying to hold together, they're violating the angels. In other words, they violate human law, divine law, and then even the angelic supervision of the universe. They're going past that, assuming that these would be righteous angels they're, they're violating. Um, and because of that, there's only one voice. There's only one opinion. There's only one thing that matters, and that's their own. And that's, again, I end up there saying that's where it says... Uh, at the end, they they, uh, they are boastful and they're and they're they're arrogant. These false teachers—they're overriding everything. It's like they're setting aside all the human standards. They're setting aside the divine standards. They're setting aside the revelation from God. Setting aside even angelic rulership over reality, and saying, "Okay, we're changing all and we're creating our own." And for some people, it's it's appealing. Uh, but their, their fate is set. So that's kind of where we end up with that. Uh, I'll, I'll pray and we're done. I, what a crash ending. I, I appreciate you being here. <laughs> Father, we do thank you for uh, the chance to look into these things. We ask that we would examine our own hearts, that we would not be rebellious towards the natural order of things that you've created, that we would uh, uh, abide in the truth that you provided, both in nature and in the word of God, that we would not gamble with sin, but realize these things are set with a fate assigned to them and ask that we would grow and mature as we... And not just contend for the faith, but grow in the knowledge of our salvation. We thank you for the grace you've given to us and ask that we may walk in it more and more each day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your time.